0: Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast we are breaking down the Thanksgiving Day NFL DFS slate. We've got three games going on on Thanksgiving. We got the traditional Lions game, the Cowboys game, and then the night game which is 49 or Seahawks which is actually a pretty good one all things considered. But we're going to be breaking it down from a DFS perspective on DraftKings and FanDuel, talking about the best ways to build out your lineups that way you can make some money on Turkey Day. This one is going to be more of a DFS oriented episode. We're going to be just kind of mentioning specifically how you can target these three games in daily fantasy. If you are used to the normal buy or sell previews, this is still going to be kind of similar in that because I mean, it's still my analysis. It's still my thoughts on all these guys, but this is definitely going to have more of a DFS slant. The full week 12 buy or sell preview will be coming out later on in the week. And it might be audio only the way it has been the last few weeks, just because sometimes, hey, as a new dad, it's a lot easier for me to just, you know, do the recording as opposed to record the video and export and upload and edit. So um, that one might be audio only. So make sure you go subscribe to the audio feed wherever you get your podcast on Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, wherever else. Uh, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Really helps me out a lot. We are nearing on 250 subscribers, which is a big time milestone. So hit that subscribe button. It helps me out a lot. And you can get notified when new episodes drop. Like all of our weekly NFL content that will still be back next week when it's not Thanksgiving. Um, and then all of our weekly college football and college basketball content as well. Hit that subscribe button and you can be notified when all those episodes drop. We've already previewed this Friday's college football slate, and we are going to preview Saturday's college football slate. So um, you're at home, you got less to do at work, whatever, you want to try college football DFS, go give those episodes a shot uh, and see if you can find yourself some winners this weekend. Alright, enough with the introduction. Let's go ahead and start things off by talking about the quarterback position for these three Turkey Day games. <music> All right. So it is important to know for these three games just what these three teams are projected in terms of like a pure points perspective, because that'll kind of help guide your decisions uh, on what we're looking at in terms of who we pick to build out our lineups. So we've got a three game slate. It is a small slate, which I'm going to talk about the strategy for that here in just a second. Um, But the first game is Lions Packers projected to be Lions 27 Packers 20 Second game is Cowboys Commanders projected to be Cowboys 30, Commanders 19. And then the last game of the night is projected to be 49ers 25 and Seahawks 18. So the highest scoring game of the bunch was Cowboys versus Commanders, but it was also the one with the biggest spread. Um, So it's just really kind of interesting. I think when you are looking at how to build out your lineups for this slate, I think you can definitely mix and match from the three different games. With it being a small slate, there's a few things that are going to come in handy though. So I am so somebody who hand builds lineups. So, if you are hand building lineups, you're not using, you know, an optimizer or a sim or anything like that. I would highly advise building your lineups with a narrative in mind, especially if you are making multiple lineups. You can have your lineup that's like, oh, this is the Cowboys blowout lineup where if I think the Cowboys are gonna blow out the commanders, this guy, this guy, and this guy goes off. Or or, you know, this is the uh, Green Bay Detroit shootout lineup where if this game ends up having 60 points scored, these are the guys that end up going off. I definitely think on a small slate, that is how you can help yourself, especially in tournaments, kind of have your lineup have the maximum ceiling is if you build it with a clear narrative in mind. Now, it's also going to be a big day for late swap for, um, you know, anybody who's going to be sitting on their phone or on their computer all day on Thanksgiving, you can definitely late swap your way into um, some some better picks as the day goes on. Um, you know, if you have somebody who goes off in the early games, you might want to get a little more chalky in the later games. Or if your guys in the early games don't do so well, you might want to be a little more risky in the later games as well. I am not a big late swap person and I will be um, not focusing on late swapping my lineups on Thanksgiving Day. So, um. That will not be me. Um, now let's go ahead and talk about the quarterback position, though. So if you are playing a you know a twenty max or one hundred and fifty max um, tournament, I would highly advise playing all six quarterbacks at some point. Like there's very little risk for you to lose by getting at least one lineup with all six of these guys. Um, if it turns out that that sixth guy that you weren't going to play ends up being the guy that goes off for thirty five points fancy points that you need to have. Keep in mind, there's only six playable quarterbacks on this slate. So they're all going to average about 18% ownership. Now, obviously they're not all six going to have exactly 18% ownership, but it it just there's very little risk if you're playing multiple lineups and getting all six of these guys into a lineup. So um, how would I rank these six guys? So the guy I would highest rate and the guy that I think is going to be the highest owned on this slate is going to be Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. There is so much to love about Dak from a fantasy perspective in this game against Washington. He Not only has Dak been the best quarterback in fantasy since week seven, but no team in the NFL has had a higher pass rate over expectation in the last month than Dallas. Meaning in situations where um, analytics deems they could be running the ball, they're still passing. Like they're passing more than the game flow and the game script would indicate that they should be passing. Which is great if you're playing a quarterback in fantasy football. No team has also given up more fantasy points to the quarterback position than the Washington Commanders. So not only are you getting a guy who's been elite over the last month, but he's going up against a defense that has been utterly dreadful the entire season. and. When you look at Dak, his career against Washington, we have a big enough sample size to know that this guy plays his best when he is playing uh, the Washington Commanders. Four of Dak's last six games against Washington, he's scored 27 fantasy points or more in. And on Thanksgiving in his career, because you know he plays in it every year, he's healthy because he's a Dallas Cowboy, Dak averages 20 fantasy points per game. Uh, I cannot speak enough about how good of a spot Dak is in. If you are playing tournaments, keep in mind he's likely to be the highest owned quarterback, so you're going to want to find a way to get your lineup different elsewhere if you're rolling out Dak, which I will be. The guy I would rank second is probably Brock Purdy of the San Francisco 49ers. I think he has by far the highest floor of any quarterback on this slate, in my opinion. The 49ers offense is an absolute juggernaut, and Purdy has been pretty doggone good as the pilot of that offense this season. He's had three straight games of 23 or more fantasy points, and he now averages over 20 fantasy points per game across his career in all the games that he's started and finished. And I don't think he gets any kind of respect for that because he's Brock Purdy, right? Um, Now, also, what's, uh, believe it or not, true is that he has more fantasy points this season than Patrick Mahomes. So Brock Purdy has been really good, and for some reason, he's only $6,100 on draft this week. I think he is a very solid play. My only concern is that Seattle is a slight run funnel. They're a little bit better defending the, uh, the pass than they are the run. But still, you're looking at a guy whose team is likely to score 27 to 30 points. He's likely to account for two or three touchdowns. Love to play with Brock Purdy. My third ranked quarterback will be Jared Goff. And we've talked extensively all off season and in season about the Jared Goff in dome games narrative. Uh, and I think it extends to all dome games, but if you wanna just make it home games, then just uh, in the last two seasons, Jared Goff has averaged seven fancy points per game more at home than on the road. And I think that this is a pretty good spot for him against Green Bay. You know, We just saw this defense not look great against the Chargers. Um, and I really think that Jared Goff could be a guy that that breaks the slate. I don't think he's going to get super highly owned, but I think if you're not playing Jared Goff, I'm pretty confident that this Detroit offense is going to score touchdowns. So when you look across the last two seasons at dome games where Jared Goff has not had a lot of success, it has been because Detroit's offense either just got completely shut down or because they scored multiple rushing touchdowns from the running back position. So if you're not playing Jared Goff, I think it would be wise to invest in one of those Detroit Lions running backs. My third fourth ranked quarterback on the slate, but a guy that I really still kind of like is Sam Howell of the Washington Commanders. Look, he is the volume king. He is on pace to set a single season record for passing attempts. They are just going to throw until his arm falls off. Like That's how much Washington is throwing. He has had 40 plus pass attempts in five straight games. Um, So you know with Sam Howell that you're going to be getting a guy who is going to drop back to pass 40 plus times a game. And He's going to have plenty of opportunities to put up fantasy points, right? It doesn't matter what the game flow is, doesn't matter what the the score is, situation, time, whatever. Sam Howell is going to be throwing it. That's a plus in fantasy because you know he's going to have all those opportunities. However, Dallas is a pretty tough matchup. Dallas is seventh toughest against quarterbacks overall and eighth toughest schedule adjusted against quarterbacks, meaning when you take every team's schedule into account and how the quarterbacks played relative to their average heading into that game, Dallas is the eighth toughest team um, in schedule-adjusted matchup against quarterbacks. So um, not a great matchup for Sam Howell, but the volume is going to be there, and I think the volume gives him immense upside. And I think I might be more on him in GPPs than I would be Brock Purdy. Now next up is going to be Jordan Love. He is my fifth favorite quarterback on the slate. Look, Detroit's a pretty solid matchup to go up against. They are 26th um, toughest against quarterbacks, meaning they're the seventh easiest Um, defense against quarterbacks overall. And believe it or not, Jordan Love has four games this season of 20 or more fantasy points on DraftKings. That's not um, a stat you would expect out of him because it feels like he's been pretty bad, but he really has had some good games. And he's had 40 or more passing attempts in three of his last four games. And this is a game where if the Green Bay Packers are trailing to the Lions, they might have to throw to keep up or they might have to throw to catch up, which is a good combination to, to play a fantasy quarterback in. In fact, the Lions defense is to show how not great they are. They've given up 24 or more fantasy points to quarterbacks in two straight games. And I would not be shocked if Jordan Love made that three straight games. Geno Smith is my least favorite starter on the slate. And look, just the matchup against San Francisco, it's not easy, right? Geno hasn't been great this year either. It's just hard to really get behind. If you're looking for a bright side, the 49ers have been relatively easier to throw on than to run. Their rush defense is elite. Their pass defense is um, slightly above average. Um, So I would be Very surprised if Geno Smith is the quarterback that breaks the slate, but hey, he's going to be very lowly owned, he's got a cheap price tag, he allows you a lot of flexibility with your lineups, and like I said, if you're playing multiple lineups, I think it's wise to play every quarterback on the slate. All right, that does it for the quarterback position. Let's go ahead and take a quick breather, and then let's talk about the running backs. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the running back position. So historically, on these small Thanksgiving slates, running back has been the make or break position. But I don't really see that being the case this year because in the past, you've just seen a lot of random backup running backs score touchdowns on Thanksgiving. And I don't really see that being the case with where a lot of these teams are at right now and how they've been playing in recent weeks. And I think there's two very clear top options on the slate at running back that everybody's gonna end up playing. And if you want to play both of them together, you're gonna have to find a way to make your lineup different elsewhere. And those two top plays are Christian McCaffrey and Zach Charbonnet. Let's go ahead and talk about CMC. So CMC averages 10.9 fantasy points per game solely from receiving, and Seattle is a slight run funnel. Like we were mentioning with Brock Purdy earlier, Seattle allows a negative pass rate over expectation on the season, meaning that teams are running the ball more against Seattle than the analytics dictates that they should. Which is good news if you're playing a running back in fantasy football. So Christian McCaffrey has been just pretty much the best flex option in fantasy football season long. He's going to give you a lot of receiving points. He's going to give you a lot of rushing points. Uh, I just think he's probably just the best player overall on the slate. And I think because he does a lot of his work receiving, I think you can play him with or without Brock Purdy. We've seen some of Brock Purdy's ceiling games come with big time Christian McCaffrey games as well, because he is accounting for a lot of those touchdowns that Brock Purdy is throwing. So uh, I think you can play him with or without Brock Purdy. I think he is the best flex option on the entire slate. Zach Charbonnet is the next guy to talk about though. So we are assuming that Kenneth Walker III does not play in this game. And I do not think he will, he's listed as doubtful, which is kind of a lock that he's going to sit. Um, So Charbonnet um, is coming off of a week last week where uh, when Kenneth Walker got hurt in the first quarter, Charbonnet ended up with 21 opportunities in that game against the Rams. I'm sorry, 24 opportunities in that game against the Rams. 15 attempts uh, and wait, I had it right the first time. Twenty-one opportunities against the Rams, 15 attempts and six targets. My bad. Twenty-one opportunities in that game, and that's pretty solid when you're going to pay 5,300 for a guy on DraftKings, and he's going to, you know, get you 21 opportunities. The what I really like to see was the six targets, because what I was really concerned about with Walker being hurt was does Charbonnet end up seeding the pass catching role to DJ Dallas? I think it's definitely a possibility. I think if they were to spell Charbonnet in in snaps. It would be pass catching situations to DJ Dallas. But when you look at Charbonnet, he's, he was very much a power back when he was in college at UCLA in Michigan. I think he's going to be the guy who is on the field in the red zone. And I think he is probably the most likely guy on Seattle to score a touchdown because if we're being honest, San Francisco's red zone defense is really stout. If you try to throw on them, just, there's not a whole lot of space to target. And so I think the most likely way that Seattle scores is just Zach Charbonnet plunged in for a one, two, three, four yard run. So um I definitely think Charbonnet is going to be a top play on this site. He's going to be very popular, but that price tag of $5,300 gives you a lot of flexibility if you work to play. Next up, I do have to talk about the uh, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery situation. So this has been a pretty prolific backfield so far. Detroit actually averages the third most fantasy points per game um, at the running back position when you add up the entire backfield, which is pretty solid. Um, and Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery have both been pretty solid in recent weeks when they've both been playing. Um, but let's go ahead and break it down just how should you target these two backs. So Jameer Gibbs has been running back one in fantasy points per games since he returned from injury in week seven. He's been ahead of every other running back. 27, 32, 26, and 21 fancy points on DraftKings in those four games, which is pretty darn impressive. Now in the two games that David Montgomery has been back, Jameer Gibbs has won the snap share at about a 60 to 40 split. And Jameer Gibbs has also out-targeted Montgomery 11-2. to The reason why you would want to go with David Montgomery is if you think the Lions play from ahead in this game or you think that David Montgomery is the touchdown scorer in this game. That is what Montgomery has kind of come to. It's very much very similar to the DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams conundrum from last year, except Jameer Gibbs is kind of ahead of where DeAndre Swift was. Um, if I were to look at these two guys, I would be probably leaning Jameer Gibbs, but I think everybody will be leaning Jameer Gibbs. So that makes David Montgomery lower owned. And I think he becomes a big time leverage play against both Jared Goff and Jameer Gibbs if you end up playing David Montgomery. So both of them will make some of my lineups, but I would definitely give the edge just on a neutral playing field. I would give the edge to Gibbs over Montgomery because of how he's out snapped him and out targeted. Now, Tony Poward is an interesting case study because he is actually the best regression candidate in all of the NFL at the running back position. No running back in the league has a bigger gap between their expected fantasy points and their actual fantasy points than Tony Poward. And if you want to guess, the expected fantasy points is a lot higher than the actual fantasy points. So um, what that boils down to is Tony Pollard is still seeing a lot of opportunity. He is playing in great situations with Dallas playing from ahead. He just hasn't really been in just gotten very lucky in terms of fantasy scoring, he hasn't scored since um, he scored in week 11 and he scored in week one. There's the only two games he scored in and he hadn't really been used much through the air. And when Dallas gets in these immense blowouts, they don't play him. They play Rico Dowdle. So it, it's just been a mountain of bad luck for Tony Power. And, and I think that this could be a situation where you could play him here because I think everybody and their brother is going to be playing Dak Prescott. So if this ends up being the Tony Powered week, this could be... Um, a big-time leverage spot by playing Tony Pollard and not playing Dak Prescott. I think the the fact that he's a regression candidate, I think over the next few weeks makes him very targetable in in regular fantasy and DFS just because I think that at some point he's going to have to close that gap between expected fantasy points and actual fantasy points. Now, Brian Robinson to me is a very interesting um, candidate if Antonio Gibson is out. Um, the commanders throw the ball a ton. We've been over this already. So we want the back for the commanders that's gonna be catching the passes. And they've shown over the last two weeks that if, it, if Antonio Gibson is out, it's still going to be Brian Robinson Jr. catching the passes. And what we've seen in those last two weeks is a total of 15 targets in uh, a total of 50 fantasy points for Brian Robinson Jr. in the last two weeks. To me, that makes him a, a very solid play, even though Dallas is a tough matchup to runners. But if you're, if you're telling me that the guy's going to get a, you know an, a seven targets again when he's gotten nine and six in the last two weeks, I think that makes him a prime candidate for our lineups. And I really do like Brian Robinson Jr. If Antonio Gibson is, in fact, out of this game. If Gibson is a, if Gibson's active, I think that Gibson becomes a very sneaky, sneaky play, only $4,500. Because even though he's missed some games so far this season, um, he had at least five targets in the last three games he was active, double-digit fantasy points in the last two games he was active, and he's the guy that's going to be on the field if they're doing all the throwing. So I think that makes um, Antonio Gibson a very interesting play if he is active. Last situation to talk about, Aaron Jones is out for the Thanksgiving game, which means A.J. Dillon is going to probably be the lead back if he is active. Um, I'm assuming he will be active. If he is not, it looks like it'll fall to Patrick Taylor, who is not on the DraftKings slate. So um, no guy to play there. But I'm not very interested in A.J. Dillon, if I'm being honest. He has not been efficient this season. He has only had... one, two, three, four games where he has averaged over um, three yards a carry, which is not a good sign. Um, and then he's also just not been great, right? Like in from a fantasy perspective, his high this season has been 13.6. And when you look at the games that Aaron Jones missed, he only averaged nine fantasy points per game when Aaron Jones was out. So what makes you think that this week is going to be different when the Lions are a pretty stout run defense and he's and A.J. Dillon's banged up in his own right. So uh, I'm just not very interested in A.J. Dillon this week. Now, before we go ahead and move on to the wide receivers, I do want to mention there are a few places where you can get more information from me. You can follow me on x at Mike's Money Picks. Um, you know, if there's anything that changes out my opinion, I usually tweet it out. I'll tweet out the links to all the episodes, whether they are audio only or video as well. So you'll get notified, or not notified, but um, you'll just kind of get the rundown on if there are um, any changes, you know, to, to the podcast, whether it be in video or audio. I'm also in the Fancy Corner Discord. Link is in the description on YouTube and in the audio feed. Um, there's a lot of smart people in there that play a lot of DFS. Um, and we talk about all the sports college basketball, college football, NFL. There's there's a lot of guys in there to help me get better at MBA, which I very much appreciate. Um, so join that if you want to be part of a really fun community that gets a lot of good discussion, a lot of ideas bounced off each other um, in playing DFS. And then lastly, I do write up a full article every NFL, college football, and college basketball slate um, outlining my core plays and kind of my attack strategy for my lineups on the slate. You can read those at patreon.com slash Mike's It is only $3 a month to read those. I largely do them just because kind of I enjoy writing and I enjoy writing that plan out. And I would like to get that information out because I'm not promised that you're going to read those picks and instantly become a GPP winner. But I do think that by reading that and reading the process, it you, you can help you get a little bit better at the along the way. And then lastly, if you're looking to try anything new, this Thanksgiving season, holiday season, NFL season, whatever, if you're looking to try something new, um, I, I'm partnered with Sign up Expert, So head on over to signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks. What they do is they give you the best offers and promo codes for new users at all DFS, player prop, and sports book sites. It'll even sync to your location. So I know on January 1st, when North Carolina has sports betting legal, I will be heading there to get all my promo codes for all the new sports books that have opened up. All right, so that does it for the running back position. Let's go ahead and take a quick breather, and then let's talk about the wideouts. Right, so we're going to try to knock out all of the pass catchers here in one segment, and then we're going to try to see if we can build out um, a sample lineup here at the very end. So um, to me, the receiver position, this slate is going to come down to the question, C.D. Lamb or Amon Ross St. Brown. To me, they are by Far, the two most attractive, um, from a fantasy perspective, wide receivers on the slate. I'm not sitting here and calling them attractive but um they're the most attractive fantasy plays on the slate at the wide receiver position. They are both over eight thousand dollars but they are both seeing just an insane run and and I think that if you want to play both of them it's possible but you're really going to have to pay down at the running back and tight end positions if you want to make that happen. I think you could probably you would be boxed out of playing Christian McCaffrey at running back if you were to play both these guys. But to me both these guys are in such a supreme spot uh and they're one and two on the slate in target share that They just—they're the clear top plays at wide receiver, and getting that pick right is going to be um, very, very key to this slate. And and I think both these guys, you can play without stacking with the quarterback because we've seen CeeDee Lamb have ceiling weeks where Dak Prescott didn't get there. We've seen Amon Ross St. Brown have ceiling weeks where Jared Goff didn't get there. Obviously you can stack them together. I'm always a proponent of stacking your wide receivers and your quarterbacks, but I think both of these two guys are so elite. They can have ceiling weeks with or without their quarterback that I think both of them are strong, strong plays this week. So let's go ahead and break down. If you were to not play these guys, what would it look like? Well, for Dallas, let's talk about their passing game as a whole. So um, Washington is the easiest schedule adjusted matchup for wide receivers on the season. We've talked at length this season about how well wide receiver ones have played against Washington because their secondary is just not good, which generally bodes well for C.D. Lamb, right? So it's, It's really a hard sell to play anybody not named CeeDee Lamb for Dallas in my opinion just because CeeDee Lamb has averaged 13 targets per game in his last four. And from there the only receiver who has averaged over a 50% route share since their bye week in their last four games was Brandon Cooks. However, he's also a negative regression candidate um, meaning he is scoring more fantasy points than his expected fantasy points which is the exact opposite of his teammate Tony Power. However, Cooks has very much big play upside and I think you can definitely play him as a one-off play or as a stacking partner with Dak Prescott and and not play CeeDee Lamb because if there were ever a time where CeeDee Lamb were to not get there, it'd be because of Brandon Cooks. Now, the other option that I think you could go with is Michael Gallup. So Michael Gallup has only played a 46% route share um, since the Cowboys' bye week, but the good news is with Gallup is that when he gets targets, he gets targeted deep. He has a 12.7 average depth of target in that span. So, I mean, all he's got to do is catch one deep pass for a touchdown and boom, there's your value play right there with Michael Gallup. He is one of those guys that could possibly break this Thanksgiving slate if he ends up getting loose for one or two long touchdowns. Jaywin Tolbert is um, very like close to... Um, Michael Gallup, in terms of snap share, um, route share, excuse me, um, he's averaged a 44% route share um, since Dallas's bye week, in, in other words, in their last four games. And he's actually had five targets in each of the last four games. So, Jaylen Tolbert, I do think, like Michael Gallup, is in play. Um, they would be super punt plays that, that very well could have a shot at return of value because all it would take is one or two plays for them to get there. However, like I said, to me, it's a hard sell to play these Dallas guys other than CD Lamb just because it's such a smash spot for CD. Now, Flipping it over to Detroit and talking about the same perspective for Amon-Ra, I think Detroit's in even a worse situation um, than Dallas is outside of Amon-Ra St. Brown and the reason why is because I think Green Bay is a dream matchup for Amon-Ra. Green Bay is elite at defending outside wide receivers right because they've got Jair Alexander among other guys on the outside that are really good. They're very vulnerable in the slot in in passing game on the inside of the field and they just gave up 10 catches and over 100 yards to Keenan Allen from the slot with the Chargers last week. Amon-Ra St. Brown runs his routes from the slot so to me this is a spot where Amon-Ra should be the primary pass catcher for the Detroit Lions. However, if you were to not play Amon-Ra, let me make the case for some other guys. Josh Reynolds has a 69% route share on the season, which is pretty high for a guy who's only $3,500, but the problem is he hasn't had more than four targets in a game in in Detroit's last five games, and that's kind of coincided with Jamison Williams getting back from his gambling suspension uh, and playing more and more. He set a career high in route share last week, and Jamison Williams is one of the guys like Michael Gallup that all he would need is one deep touchdown to hit value. I would probably lean Jamison Williams um, if I were to not play Amon Ra St. Brown. But like I said, this is pretty darn bleak um, outside of Amon Ra from a passing game perspective. So I might be more inclined to target a tight end or a running back if I were to target a Detroit receiver that's not Amon Ra. All right, now we can just go through the other four teams now that we've got kind of the big two and their teammates covered. So for Green Bay, they're very cheap at the wide receiver position in DFS. And I really don't mind that. The guy I would prefer to play would be Jaden Reed. And that is because of how he gets his touches. He gets more design touches than anybody in this Packers um, receiving room. Um, You know, he gets the ball in reverses, jet sweeps, screens, just ways where they get the ball in his hands and, and let him run with it, which is what you saw last week when he took That reverse to the house um, for for, um, a 32-yard touchdown, and so um, that allowed him to have a pretty, you know, solid week. All all things considered, 19 fantasy points, and and so I like the fact that we're getting designed touches, and I think that the more plays are run in this game, if this game turns into a shootout, some of those plays are going to end up in Jaden Reed's hands, and I very much like him for that reason. At only 4,200 hours, the reason to go with Romeo Dobbs or Christian Watson are because they are pretty much the only guys who get targeted in the red zone for this Packers offense. They own about 90% of the Packers end zone targets. uh, since Christian Watson has been back healthy. And so I think really those guys upside would just be their usage in the red zone and the end zone. But I don't think they're going to give you a whole lot if they don't catch a touchdown. Whereas Jaden Reed is the guy who can give you much more whether or not he catches a touchdown. The guy that could be the punt play is Dontavian Wicks who has played more and more recently. He's had at least four targets in his last four games um, and he's only $3,300. If he is active for this game because he's listed as questionable right now, I think he's an intriguing punt play at only $3,300 for the commanders. Their receivers are quite interesting because You know, they drop back to pass 50 times a game, but yet the receivers haven't had a whole lot of production to show for it. Terry McLaurin has only averaged a 17% target share in his last four games. The raw target numbers look pretty good, 7, 8, 7, and 12. But the share, he's just not really dominating the rest of this receiver room like we would expect him to. Um, And so I don't think that this particularly sets up well for him. And the same goes for Jahan Dotson. Um, Dotson only has six combined targets in his last two games, which is not a great look. Um, And then Curtis Samuel. Is the guy that I would prefer in this receiver room, though. He's only $3,600 on DraftKings. Um, he had two targets last week, but he got ejected in the first quarter last, or in the second quarter last week. So, um, didn't get to play a full game. Um, hadn't really been fully healthy since, um, you know, back earlier in the season. When he was healthy, but, you know, before he got hurt in, in that first Giants game, he did have four of his first six games in double digit fantasy points. So, I think Curtis Samuel at only $3,600 is pretty solid. And with that Dallas defense, I think the middle of the field the slot position is a place that you can target that defense at and i think curtis samuel is a pretty solid play now for the 49ers we've talked extensively all year how when they play teams who run man coverage it sets up better for brandon iuke it's what he's better at when they play teams that run zone coverage it sets up for debo samuel it's what he's better at And we've said it a few times this year that, hey, this should be a Debo Samuel week. This team runs a lot of zone. And it ends up not being a Debo Samuel week because Brandon Ayuk gets the one deep ball, makes one guy miss or makes a guy fall down. And then, boom, there's a 70-yard touchdown for Brandon Ayuk. So I really do think that the regression is coming for Debo Samuel. Seattle runs zone 83% of snaps, which is very good for Debo. And I really just think that the regression is coming for Debo. And he's a guy that I do want to get into my lineups for that reason. For Seattle, my primary interest is going to be in Jackson, Smith, and Jigwell. Metcalf and Lockett are going to be active for this game, but they're both banged up. They're both coming off of injuries. Jackson Smith and Jigba over the last five games has been pretty sound. Um, in those last five games, he's averaged 12 fantasy points per game. Um, he has also averaged about six targets per game. Um, so you're looking at a guy whose workload is only increasing and he's another guy kind of like in the Tony Power category. I think he's due for some regression because he only has one red zone target on the season. So um, if he does end up getting more work, in the red zone maybe getting in the end zone it could be a big time week for jackson smith and Jig, but at a very affordable price tag now at the tight end position i'm not super interested in paying up you've got george kittle who i think you know i don't want to use the l word but i think he got a little lucky with his touchdown um against the jaguars two weeks ago um and you know last week against tampa bay that, that was just a spot where their defense naturally set up to target um so I don't necessarily think this is the best spot for him against Seattle. Sam Laporta has kind of been hit or miss. Um, I think he's a great stacking partner with um, Jared Goff, but he's had some kind of dead games in the last two weeks. Um, and then if you're looking to spend down at the tight end position, Jake Ferguson is a guy that has been like a red zone weapon for the Cowboys, three touchdowns in his last four games. Um, but Jake Ferguson kind of needs Peyton Hendershot to be inactive for this game. On the season, Ferguson averages 20% more route share when Hendershot is inactive, and Hendershot is currently listed as questionable for this game. Logan Thomas has been a pretty solid contributor to this commander's offense. Look, with the raw volume of their passing attack, I think he's a very solid target at only $3,500, and I think the middle of the field is a place where you can exploit this Dallas defense. The guy that everybody's going to play at tight end, though, is going to be Tucker Craft. He's only third or $2,500 on DraftKings. Luke Musgraves is out of this game, um, and so this is going to be Tucker Craft's position at tight end. Um, and he had two cr- targets against the Chargers, 32 yards, 5.2 fantasy points. Hey, he does that again at only $2,500. That doesn't sink your entire day um, on a small slate. Sorry about that little interruption there, y'all. Uh, the school that I work at actually... Um, called my phone right near where I was ending that segment. So fortunately, I was able to, um, you know, finish up, get my full entire thoughts out there. But um, I had to have a little bit of a break before um, building the lineup, which is what I want to do right now. So um, this is just purely a test build. I may or may not run this out in a contest. But just think about everything we've talked about so far here on this episode. I'm just gonna kind of test out and see what it looks like to build a lineup here on this slate. Um, so we can start off with deck. And we're gonna start off with C.D. Lamb as well. And we're gonna to try to squeeze in uh, McCaffrey and Charbonnet at the running back position. That gives me an average salary remaining of only $4,100. I think this is gonna be a pretty popular start to the build on the Thanksgiving Day slate. Now for the defense, um, I'm very tempted to go ahead and pay up for the Cowboys defense. Uh, In fact, looking at everything, all things considered, I think that's what I'm going to go ahead and do, Um, which now gives me an average salary remaining of $4,175. So I'm going to need to find some bargain bin plays here. Um, So let's go ahead and get in Curtis Samuel at at $3,600, which gives me a little bit of a boost. Um, Let's go with Jaden Reed at $4,200. Um, and now I got 44.50 left. Um, I realize I've kind of ended up completely boxed out on the Lions' offense so far. So if I go Jameer Gibbs, that gives me 2,100 left, which is 400 short of getting Tucker Craft at tight end. So that would leave me looking at a negative 400 salary if I go Prescott, McCaffrey, Charbonnet, Lamb, Samuel, Reed. Kraft Gibbs Cowboys. Okay. I know what to do here. Let's swap out Jaden Reed and let's go down to, um, let's go ahead and grab another Cowboy. Let's go, um, let's go ahead and go all in on this Dallas offense and let's make it Michael Gallup at $3,700. There we go. So what we've ended up with is a, pretty much a Dallas onslaught of Prescott, Lamb, and Gallup uh, on the offensive side and the Cowboys defense on the other side. Um, And then finishing it up with nobody from Washington because I'm playing the Cowboys defense. Um, And then you've got from the first game, I've got Tucker Craft at tight end and Jameer Gibbs at the flex. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I do have one commander. It is Curtis Samuel. Um, and he's a guy that I do think could get value even with playing against Dallas's defense, because Samuel, if he were to get a lot of value, it'd be a lot of catches for not a whole lot of yards. So, um, I I don't mind that, you know, Samuel's the guy that I'm playing against the defense. Um, and so the only Packers and Lions I've got are Kraft and Gibbs. And then the only, um, 49ers and Seahawks guys I have are McCaffrey and Charbonnet. That's I, I I don't mind how they ended up going out. And and then pretty much going off of everything we've talked here on this episode, you could have very much landed on that exact build. Not saying I'm gonna end up using this, but I definitely don't mind how that worked out. So um, you know, to recap it, you know, I'll go all in order again. We had Prescott, McCaffrey, Charbonnet, Lamb, Samuel, Gallup. Craft Gibbs, and Cowboys defense. Yeah, I kind of like that as a starting point. I really do. All right, so that does it for this episode here, y'all. Um, So that um, ends it for the Thanksgiving Day DFS special. So if you liked what we had to say here, um, then come back for NFL Buy or Sell Week 12. We'll be doing the full Sunday slate. Um, remember, we do buy or sell. It's not just DFS. We're talking season long, we're talking DFS, and we're talking player props. You can use that information for all three. Um, and uh, remember, if you want more from me, You can follow me on X at Mike's Money Picks. Join the Fantasy Corner Discord if you want to talk DFS with a lot of smart people. And you got the full articles on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. All right, so... If you like what you saw here in this video today, hit that like button, it'll really help me out a lot, help the videos get noticed, I really do appreciate it. Hit the subscribe button to the YouTube channel and to the audio feed, because some episodes are audio only. But if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, we're nearing in on 250, which is a pretty big milestone for us that we really wanna get to. So um, every little bit helps, I do appreciate you guys. Um, Hopefully I was able to give you guys the information here on this episode that's gonna help you win some money playing DFS on Turkey Day. So um, best of luck to everybody in all your DFS contests. Enjoy your Thanksgiving with your family or with your friends. Hope everybody has a great holiday. Thank you guys for watching and listening, and I will see you guys next time.